Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, welcome to Horse Hour. I'm Amy Stevenson, and today I talked to Lizzie Drury, who's the head nutritionist at Saracen Horse Feeds. They supplied the great British dressage team over in Rio at the Olympics with all their feeds, so Vallegro, Nip Tuck, Supernova 2, and Lizzie's going to give us an insight into how she prepared for that, and also a little bit of advice on nutrition for your horse. This is Horse Hour. excited to have Lizzie Drury here today who is the head nutritionist at Saracen Feeds. How are you Lizzie? I'm very well thank you. Very excited still here after our amazing results in the dressage so and the eventing actually so yes we're all still very excited here. (laughs) Rio has been insane it's been so exciting and and I really wanted to talk to you because you guys have just been ridiculously busy because Saracen Feeds provide all the food for the Olympic team over in Rio. All of the dressage Olympic team. All of the so dressage. As okay. I would love to say, yes, all of the all of the Rio Olympic UK team riders. We actually, in terms of the Olympic teams, have supplied all of the feed to all of the British dressage team. We supplied the feed to one of the Australian eventers, and we also supplied the feed to a Swedish show jumper. Oh wow! So yes. Quite a few riders, but not all of them. Well, that, <laughs> no, that's really interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting because I presumed, um, and, and wrongly so, that it would be easier for one person to supply the feed for every single horse going out there than it is for the individuals because it's a massive task to, be, to one, even come up with the right food, but then to even get it over there. What are the, the rules? Because a little birdie told me that if they don't eat all the food, they have to eat all the food over there. Otherwise, you can't bring it back. Is that right? Yes, that's that's absolutely right. So that's why the, the preparation in the lead up to the Olympics with regards to getting all of the feed organised was really crucial. So we had to make sure that when we actually, if you like, in effect, package the feed for each of our riders' horses, mm. that we weren't um, oversupplying or undersupplying. And that's quite tricky, really, because obviously, as we all know, when you're feeding horses, they have a real knack sometimes of 
changing things or circumstances change. So we had to be really quite even more on the ball than we normally are in making sure, yes, that certainly in the preparation beforehand, you know, we knew and we were agreed and we were happy with the condition and the performance of the horses on the rations. We were absolutely more than overly accurate with how much they were eating on a daily basis to then ensure that we had literally enough feed that was going there to supply them for the journey out there. Then obviously the time they were in Rio to then actually as well get them back home again. And having liaised with the grooms while they've been out there, it looks like we've done it. So we're, we're fine and we're home and dry. Congratulations. Um, ran out. So <laughs> that, was, uh, that was the key thing. Because there's, there's always curveballs. Like some of the horses, Absolutely. our horses, when they travel, sometimes lose a bit of weight because they find it quite stressful. And then there's the heat over there. So sometimes they don't, horses don't eat as much because they're hot. They might be stressed, so they're losing more weight. How on earth do you as a nutritionist try and juggle all those kind of extra things that might happen to get the feed right i think we're in um, a really fortunate position in that the is that that we're working with we've worked with them for a very very long time and if we take in for example i mean let's just look at nip tuck and Vallegro. i've worked with these horses literally from from when they were very young so in effect really you almost kind of know them inside out but also as well i work so closely with their grooms and the head girls head girls and boys <laughs> and so you you do literally get to know every little horse's little quirks that they have and also as well the way that they behave under pressure mm. so our advantage is really yes we know the horses very very well and that means you know working with them when they have traveled when they've previously flown and just knowing everything that we may encounter or we may not encounter and they have all changed as well like, over the years as the horses experiences have grown and they have got better at dealing with situations traveling competing so Rio actually really was almost all easier in a way to organize with feed requirements than actually the London Olympics because the horses in terms of how they cope with things has just matured so much more as Mm. well so, yeah, I think it's just more about knowing the horses really well, but really key as well, having that very, very close working relationship with the grooms who at the end of the day as well know those horses inside out. So I do rely extremely heavily on them to give me a lot of feedback and, and it, it's a team effort, totally. It's so exciting for you to be able to work with the top riders and the top horses that we can only dream of working with. Like even meeting, you you, you see them on TV and you're like, oh, if only I got a chance mm. just to meet that horse once. Um, but you have the chance to be able to really actively help their help their performance, help their health, make sure that they're as, as healthy and they have the right nutrition. How do you come up with plans for each horse? Again, it really does come down to having that close working relationship with the people who are involved and working with those horses on a daily basis. So I very much kind of think of it as basically it's up to the riders to get on and ride the horses. So the riders will say, okay, actually, I feel that I need a bit more oomph. I feel I need that horse a little bit more quicker off the leg, or perhaps actually the horse is feeling too hot from a temperament perspective. And then what happens is that the riders will relay that information back to the grooms. 
the grooms obviously are working with those horses all day, nearly 24 <laughs> hours a day sometimes, it seems. So they know those horses as well, temperament-wise. And that information then basically gets fed back to myself. I will then go as well and visit these horses on a regular basis. So actually just have a look at them, importantly, from a body condition score perspective mm. and you know, making sure that they look uh, fit and healthy and, and happy on the outside. And then really it's putting all of that information together and thinking about, right, what is it we're looking to achieve? And then when we've decided on that, actually then matching the feed really to, to get that result. So I kind of think that it's the rider's job to ride um, <laughs> and it's my job in effect to make sure that the horses look good together with the grooms, but actually give the feel that the riders are looking for. So yeah, it's talking really. We talk yeah. a lot. <laughs> What, what sort of a difference, like if something needed more oomph, what would you be adding to their feed? Because again, most of us need our horses to calm down a little bit because <laughs> they're a little bit too difficult to handle. But if you needed something that just to give it that edge, what kind of things would you be adding to their food? Um, it all comes down really to the, the different types of raw materials or ingredients that you look to find within a feed. So for example, if you're looking to have more oomph or sometimes particularly if you're looking with the dressage riders, they might describe it as saying perhaps they want their horse to be a little bit quicker off the leg. Mm. The eventers may well say that for the dressage, they're looking for a little bit more lift, elevation, presence, but without the silly behavior. But in order to get that um, temperament and performance effect, then actually we have to be looking at incorporating some cereal and therefore some starch into the ration. And that primarily comes from the cereals commonly used in horse feeds, which include your oats, maize and barley. So the cereals give you the oomph. And then it's the fiber and the oil sources that will give you the stamina. And then how we actually balance the ratio of those raw materials within a finish feed really then dictates what kind of performance effect you are going to have from that horse, as well as a conditioning effect. So, yeah, it's all to do with ratios of raw materials. That's amazing. It sounds horrendous, but it's not. <laughs> no, it sounds like, OK, so do I need to add in some more cereals? I'm glad you said the ratio bit because I was thinking, oh, I'll just give Blackjack a few cereals. He needs a bit more oomph, but I definitely want him to be controllable. But no, like you said, you work it out with the ratios. In terms of oils then, we've heard a lot of uh, linseed oil and mm -hmm. flax oil. Are those the right kind of things that we should be doing to help with the horse's condition? We within Saracen Horse Feeds, we actually use soy oil. So soy oil goes into our course mix formulations. Linseed and flaxseed oil, they're the same kind of oil. And they tend to be oils that people would add into a finished ration themselves. And they're usually using things such as linseed oil because of the omega-3 benefits and to help improve coat condition. Mm -hmm. But within formulating commercial feeds then we actually look at incorporating soy oil which again depending on whether that feed is a feed that is designed to help enhance um, or increase stamina or perhaps a ration that is formulated to help maintain or put on body condition um, then we would tend to have more reliance on having a higher oil inclusion because of course oil fat is um, loaded full of calories yeah. and non-heating calories. So it helps to keep some of these more temperamentally hot horses a little bit more manageable. So what does that mean, Lizzie? Because I've heard of non-heating and heating and, and, I, and I don't understand it. It's like Japanese. 
<laughs> so what's the difference? Well, it, it depends, actually. The difference between the two actually depends on whether you're speaking as a nutritionist mm -hmm. or as a, a horse person. So somebody who's, you know, you're looking after your own horse and, and riding your own horse. Because depending on who you are, they can have actually very different meanings. But from if we actually think about what it means from the perspective on what it will do to the performance or the temperament mm. of your horse, a heating feed would be a feed that is going to make your horse more energetic. So okay. it's going to whiz him up, hot him up. And those type of feeds, you would get that response when you're using more reliance on those cereals mm -hmm. and starch. A non-heating feed, which is probably one of the more popular requests that we get from horse owners wanting a non-heating feed, and that will be a feed that is not going to exaggerate or make a already excitable horse even worse. Yes. Hopefully, it's going to help to make him more manageable. As a nutritionist, <laughs> we would, from a scientific perspective, say that a heating feed actually is a feed that through the process of digestion actually generates heat. Ah. So a nutritionist might actually say, well, forage or fiber. So things like your hay or haylage is a heating feed because the process of fermentation in the hindgut, believe it or not, generates a huge amount of heat. So in the winter, for example, actually helps to act as your horse's own central heating system. Wow. So it actually helps to that horse warm hmm. whereas cereals through the process of digestion do not generate a huge amount of heat and so are non-heating <laughs> so it depends who you're talking to. <laughs> um, but obviously mainly we're, we're dealing and we're helping um, horse owners to get the best from their horses so heating cereals with up non-heating would be calm <laughs> <laughs> so that would what would be your and i know i'm throwing you in in the deep end here i'm sorry about this but but just for the average horse owner because feed is so complex and we can't all afford somebody like you to come along because i'd love to have you lizzie and say right there's my horse <laughs> tell me what feed i need because there's so many like i didn't know you could go into so much detail as you can get a horse to lift more based on what you feed them it's just incredible but for the average horse owner that's kind of doing the all round, what type of feed? I guess you're going to say it depends on breed and age. You are, aren't you? I am. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm going to. I mean, it, it, this is the thing. I think people sometimes, I think, get quite scared by the subject of feeding and nutrition mm -hmm. because it can seem quite a, a maze of all these different feeds, all these different supplements, and also as well, a lot of feeds and, and supplements also as well, making a lot of claims as to what they can and can't do. So, you know, this horse will make potentially your horse jump higher or this, horse, <laughs> this, this feed will make your horse calmer. And I think as well that for a lot of people, some people don't like to as well actually admit that perhaps they don't actually quite understand mm. um, what or even more why they should be feeding a particular thing. So it is very difficult to just generalize and say, yes, okay, you should be feeding a cooling mix or a cooling pencil or a performance feed because of all of the other factors. How long do you work your horse for? 
is your horse a good doer? Is your horse a poor doer? Is he excitable? Is he laid back so he does need um, a little bit more of a rocket uh, somewhere? You know, how often do you ride him? Does he live in? Does he live out? What type of training are you doing? Is he traveling? If he does travel, how long does he travel for? Does he compete? Etc. <laughs> Etc. Et loads. And that's why as well, I always do say to people, nobody knows your horse better than you do and as a nutritionist everything you know about that individual is absolutely imperative information to help a nutritionist whether that's me or or anyone else be able to do the best for your horses so it isn't always as black and white um, and about saying quoting research or studies it's about you know, horse owners knowing their horses as individuals and sharing that with a nutritionist so that we can help. The sad thing is I've had my horse for five years and when I first, I first ever horse, I bought him at 28, hence why I love doing these podcasts because I don't <laughs> have a clue about anything. I'm learning the whole time as I'm sure a lot of us are. So when I first bought him, I didn't know what to feed him. I asked the previous owner, the breeder, I said, you know, what have you had him on? They gave me their suggestion. Uh, I then asked my instructor, what, what do you think? And I've stuck with that and we've kind of monitored it, but I've stuck with that. But what would be interesting is if I could phone say Saracens and say answer all those questions this is my horse this is his age I want to do this with him he's a good doer he's out on grass living out and would you then recommend as a brand would you be able to say this is the best feed for you? Yes, absolutely. So when somebody phones a feed helpline, then the nutritionists on the other end of the phone literally take you through a very detailed process. And that process is information gathering. So it would be very similar to the same sort of thing that we would do when we're actually out doing that in a live situation in a yard. Obviously, the difference is we can't actually physically see the horse and have a look at it for ourselves. Although sometimes we do actually ask if we could have some photographs emailed over to us just to give us a better feel for exactly what we are um, dealing with. Mm. Um, so, yes, we'll take the horse owner through a step-by-step process, which really, yes, involves talking about all the things that we're, we're talking about now, everything about the horse, the history. And we start, from a feeding perspective, in really starting to knuckle down with regards to finding out actually what and how much forage the horse is eating because that forms the foundation of a ration and then we move on to what we recommend from a feeding perspective with regards to concentrate feed or additional supplementation well that's great because it's nice that, that you're actually there to help us and um, oh no we, absolutely we kind yeah. of feel like we're supposed to know <laughs> and we read the, the read it on the back well i don't know maybe it's just me but i read it on the back and i've just got a new puppy and i'm doing exactly the same with him you know you read the suggested limits of what you can feed at the back when it's just nice to know that I can phone you and go on you know what I really need some help I want to make sure that he's on the right track and and interestingly so many things vary whether it's even the time of year so the horse I can only take my horse as an example he's been in a field for two years he lives out I haven't changed anything nothing I haven't changed anything in two years his life has not changed he's not doing more work he's not doing less work 
but his coat's changed Mm. and he's a little bit more laid back he doesn't look as shiny as he used to look Mm. and so I'm interested to know what's changed because I haven't changed anything I think actually and it's interesting that you say that because we've actually taken quite a few calls today about people getting concerned about changes in coat condition and I think if we're coming into that time of year when the season is starting to change and while during the day like say for example today it's actually very warm outside and also as well quite humid the temperatures in the evening are actually starting to to fall quite dramatically so Mm. you know even in the morning there is actually that chill in the air and it, it does have an effect on horses and just from an energy perspective all of these changes to cope with you know draw on the reserves of horses to go through these various changes so this is a prime time of year where you may expect and see changes in the coat and so it's a normal process but obviously oh, what we have to do <laughs> um, from a from a nutritional perspective is is make sure that in effect it stays normal but we just make sure that we're doing everything that, that we can to, to help sort of improve the situation and just help support the horses mm. through these changes. So I think, yes, it's quite easy to underestimate actually just how much seasonal changes, some of the pressure that it does put on some individual horses. So we'll see it, um, you know, we'll, we'll have an increase to our helpline to do with coat changes and things like that when we're coming from the the winter into the spring and exactly now from the summer coming into the autumn. So there are very clear patterns within the year when we might expect to see an increase in particular issues starting to come in and as you've mentioned uh, changes in coat condition and Mm. and, uh, quality is a key one uh, (laughs) for for this time of year. So A bath helps as well. Uh, yeah, a bath always helps, but then a bath's a little bit like a sticky plaster. So you'll give a bath, and you'll get to, uh, you'll get that nice uh, show and shampoo shine. But it, it's not the be all and end all because obviously the the health and the condition of the coat comes from within, and it takes quality protein, vitamins, and minerals, antioxidants to really help support the health of the skin and that coat. So yeah, a bath is great. Um, it sounds like a, a short term. <laughs> it sounds like they need um, like a facial or a massage. You know the antioxidants in the absolutely. It's incredible yes. <laughs> because we can't see what's going on inside. We only see two things: the coat on the outside, the shape of how how heavy they are, and what's going out of their bottom. Mm. And mm. Um, and some yeah, so there's normally plenty of <laughs> <laughs> there is, but even that changes throughout the year when grass is growing at different rates. Sometimes it's richer sometimes it's not um and it's very easy to go into panic mode when something changes like hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. That, like, say the poo's a bit uh, more droopy or whatever. It's quite funny because um, I sometimes get uh, laughed at a little bit because I always do actually say to people, it is a very, very good idea to get used to and know what is a normal poo for Mm. your individual horse because you can tell an awful lot about the health of the horse from the quality (laughs) of that poo Mm. so it does actually enable you to even pick up on things such as dental condition so actually a horse is being able to chew their forage properly Um, you can also pick up on whether perhaps the horse hasn't been drinking enough um, so how, all how can, sorts of sorry things. how can you tell that bit if, if how do you know if a horse <laughs> is hyd- dehydrated um because the droppings tend to get uh, normally much fewer so they'll start to do fewer droppings through the day and uh, smaller nuggets and drier nuggets yeah. um, and so that can be an early warning indicator as i say to just their hydration status which ultimately if that was to go um if you were to ignore that potentially um increases the risk of problems such as impaction colics so a dropping Mm. can be a very very early warning indicator of the health and other things that may be going on before you're actually then faced with a problem so very important droppings get to know what's normal for your horse i say (laughs) so so lizzie just going back to the olympics then so you you supplied the feed for carl hester nip tuck well not carl hester himself although you probably (laughs) could as you're a nutritionist but you also mentioned that you supplied it for a show jumper Mm -hmm. so what would be the difference in food from a dressage horse compared to a show jumping horse because this is this is why i asked this question so watching the olympics (laughs) 
all of them are very high energy but controllable you know obviously they need to be able to contain contain that energy pretty much the majority of the show jumping horses all had a huge buck at the end and they seemed a lot more alert and a lot more there's a lot more going on and almost a little bit more fizzy and is that Mm -hmm. down to the feed the environment the training I think with a lot of the show jumpers uh, and knowing a lot of those horses, temperament-wise, they do tend to be horses that are a little bit sharper anyway with temperament. So there tends to be a little bit more blood within the the breeding, so a little bit more of a, perhaps, for example, a thoroughbred influence. Mm. So as as individual horses, they tend anyway to be of a a slightly hotter, more excitable disposition. Whereas with the dressage horses, you know, as you see, they tend to be like like the bigger warm blood horses yeah. that have uh, you know the, the nice amenable temperaments and if anything actually some of them do need a little bit more help to try and whiz them up and make them a little bit hotter so that you do get that expression and that lift and elevation however interestingly when you then actually compare for example the types of feeds that are fed to Grand Prix dressage horses Mm. and the show jumpers, there is very, very close similarities because both these horses, types of horses, are doing a discipline that actually requires a huge amount of power to be generated yeah so the show jumpers need the power to excel and get up off the ground to get over that big fence and your dressage horses need to have that power to sit on their bottoms and then perform these unbelievable Mm -hmm. movements and power again is generated from feeds that actually supply some of the energy using those cereals and starch but then because dressage horses are then competing in more than one test Mm -hmm. over for more than one day and the show jumpers are competing in more than one show jumping round they also as well need to have that element and degree of stamina so the feeds for dressage horses working at that level and show jumpers will contain a variety of feed ingredients so you will have feeds that have the cereals in there and then some what we call super fibers or digestible fibers which are things such as soil hulls alfalfa beet pulp and then with a higher oil level so you're kind of like Mm. molding that cereal starch bounce with the stamina um all into one into a ready-made bag of feed there we go easy away you You have to hold Um, on but away you go (laughs) so yeah they, they are actually fed in a similar fashion because although the the type of exercise looks very different actually the elements of it to create that power that push off and that lift and elevation is similar for both for both disciplines so amazing I'm 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 quite mesmerized by it because I'm fascinated by the whole nutrition thing it's so ridiculously complicated but so clever yeah I think um and the thing is is actually it, it doesn't have to be complicated mm. and the I think probably and I'll, I'll probably get shot for saying this but the feed industry sometimes I think does overcomplicate things mm. because there is such a massive array of different types of feed and different types of supplements to feed that it just seems like a complete maze and confusion but honestly and truly if you really can start at the beginning and get the basics and the foundations right which starts with the forage and making sure that horses are eating the right type of hay or haylage 
and more importantly they're eating enough of it then honestly truly the the other bits the building blocks that then go on top um, are really relatively straightforward and we see fewer problems when actually the forage side of the ration it is sorted out and is proper so I always say it seems complicated but if you really start at the bottom with those foundations which is thinking about what they're designed to eat and digest mm. and utilize the rest um, honestly does just fall into place Thank and that's you. why I'm here yeah <laughs> to answer all our questions <laughs> so well, what else can you tell us then about about Rio and about the Olympics so in terms of you guys having to get the feed out there and all the planning and the preparation what did you have to do it was I mean the preparations in the run-up to Rio have been going on for a long long time so mm. um, it is really something that doesn't just happen in the six weeks or the eight weeks or, or even three months before Rio it is almost an ongoing process I mean you could almost argue that it happened and it carried on from the London Olympics oh really so you know you're just constantly obviously all the time working with these individual horses and managing changes that happen along the way but I guess really for Rio I suppose in terms of really starting to knuckle down and think about the journey they were going to have the potential weather conditions, which fortunately actually our dressage horses and riders just managed to miss out on apart from that one last day where it did get really, really hot. Mm. They were actually quite lucky with the environmental conditions that they had to compete in. So it's going to be a bit more taxing for the show jumpers because it is obviously quite hot out there at the moment. And then obviously thinking then we've got to get them home. So they've flown, they've competed We've also got to make sure that they're they're sort of nutritionally full in the tank to to then you know cope with the journey mm. uh, home and then and the recovery. So it's about it's been a process really of about six months in liaising, obviously with everybody involved again grooms the riders a lot more interaction and communication with chef to keep the vets mm -hmm. so I had quite or I had many conversations with the team vet Andre Booth who's been obviously out there as well in Rio so they all um, put in if you like kind of sort of what they're looking for what they'd like to see improved or what they suggest recommend and we just work with all of these things so that then by the time the horses are ready to fly and the feed is all packed we're, we're just so on it <laughs> <laughs> did you change their feed leading up so do you want them to act in a different way or or do you uh, no you don't it's all you want them to be the same don't you was how they've been working at home so however you've already been feeding them well, hopefully, fingers crossed, keep going. Absolutely. I mean, really, you don't want to be making any significant diet changes before a competition, like, well, any competition, really, whether it's a local competition or going to the Olympics. Really, if you can help it, you don't want to be, yes, making any drastic changes at all. But obviously, as we've said, things can change. Mm -hmm. So if we take one example, and the example being Vallegro, about uh, it would have been four weeks in the run-up to Rio when actually we'd already as well had to have the feed tested and his feed allocation ready to go 
Charlotte actually started feeling that actually she did want him even hotter than he was already. So she wanted him more whizzed up and quicker and sharper, Mm. which did actually mean for him that we had to start introducing a ration tweak to achieve that effect, as well as then ensuring that that feed then as well got onto the flight. Oh my gosh. um, actually for a while quite um yeah quite sort of uh, nerve-wracking because we weren't sure we'd be able to get that feed onto the flight because of the 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 strict regulations and rules that we had to abide by with regards to feed allocations and doping as well so you had to have them tested to make sure there weren't any prohibited substances in there is that right? Yes, all of the feed that our Olympic horses, our Olympic contenders were fed, we actually tested all of that feed that went through a prohibited substance screen that was a specific Olympic screen where they were screening for prohibited substances, which was done at the Horse Racing Forensic Laboratory in Newmarket. And so, yes, that's something that we did for all of our riders. And these horses were fed on the tested feed eight weeks before they actually went out to Rio. So we knew that, you know, obviously we they, they were on mm. a tested feed that they were then going to obviously stay on through, through the whole of the process. Testing is never any 100% guarantee mm. that nothing potentially could ever happen, but it's just an illustration of what we do to support our horses and our riders that we've done and taken every step to ensure to the best of everybody's knowledge and everything that we've done from a quality control aspect it's really basically as safe as we could possibly (laughs) make so um yeah and her feed was allowed the extra ration was allowed on the plane it was (laughs) it was allowed and obviously he put in an absolutely as he always does astounding performance um and he potentially as well can suffer quite badly with the heat so Vallegro, when when people look at him, he's he's quite a small, he's a very compact horse. Mm. So for him, it, we were actually lucky with the weather because it did actually only mean that he had to do his final test. I think in I think it was thirty four, thirty five degree heat. So yeah, we were we were lucky um, <laughs> with the weather for him because he does struggle a little bit if it gets too hot for too long. So did you notice a, a difference of putting him on that extra feed? Could you see as a nutritionist and knowing? Allegro because to us he always looks um, like stunning beautiful on point I couldn't ever imagine him needing any extra oomph um yes I think I could actually honestly truly I really thought I could particularly I think on that last day Hmm. um you know sometimes we're with all of the horses because because it is such an intense time for them of course they get their rest days in between but you have to remember you know they're away from home there's a lot going on they have had their you know regimes changed so as much as you try and keep everything as consistent and the same there are significant changes obviously that have to happen so those things do take their toll on on the horses um Mm. they do become tired so that when they're doing their last test sometimes you can just start to see them you just think oh they're just starting to feel that it's getting time to go home and I did actually think that on the last day he he looked just exceptionally on it uh really on it (laughs) Um, yes, I think it really did. And, and Alan, his um, his head groom, obviously is is just so very good as well at reading all of the signs with the mm. horses, and he knows 
and has worked with the feed long enough now as well that he can he 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 tweaks and he does exactly what he's supposed to be doing so yeah it's a good job all round. <laughs> oh, it's an awesome awesome job when they're going back to going out to rio or even flying home i guess but let's say it's going out to rio they're on the plane they're on the plane for 12 hours are they fed the same as when they're in the stable when they're at home because I guess you don't want to have a horse hot-headed on an aeroplane when they're when they're traveling or do you adjust their feed while they're traveling um again trying not to make uh, too many drastic changes the main Mm. thing with them really when they're on um the, the flight on the way home really is like making sure that hydration is maintained and one of the driving forces as well with that actually is is making sure that they're eating enough forage so everything at some point always comes back to, <laughs> back to forage another one thing <laughs> and, and coming back to forage so on the flight home they will have they have um, access to, to plenty of forage which is obviously fed as well at a level so that they can um, put their heads down and and drain drain nostrils to prevent any you know build up of mucus and germs and then with regards to the concentrate feeding it won't change drastically they'll probably get fed slightly less so actually meal size will be reduced but basically because all of the hard work and preparation has been done and in place long before with regards to ensuring nutrients for recovery, supporting their immune systems, you know, it's all been done. So what happens on the flight, on the way home, feeding really at this stage isn't going to make a huge amount of difference mm. because the preparation and all of that working yeah, has been done ages ago. So forage, reduced amounts of concentrate feed, but the forage as well helping to drive that thirst response to help them keep hydrated and keep the gut sounds going keep their digestive systems and the end products coming out so and then when they're home they get their rest days they get a time to relax they might have a little holiday i guess uh, yeah so what i think on the feed? Fads, there's some turnout time yeah for them. so i certainly know that for barney and um Allegro blueberry there'll be there's going to be some field and some paddock time so no doubt there'll be a lot of those pictures (laughs) posted on social media that everybody will find so so lovely and then with regards to Brock so Sam Griffiths horse he'll be having some they'll be she'll be having some downtime but then we've obviously got uh, all in Pedder Fredrickson show jumper he's actually out there at the moment right in the thick of it so um, there's one out there still left to do some work (laughs) But what happens to their feed then? So when they're taking more time to relax, do you cut it down a little bit? Maybe take out some of those oomphy cereals? See, um, I'm learning. Yes, certainly. You are <laughs> very good. Um, I mean, certainly when we're managing horses like Vallegro or Blueberry, who it, it tends to be a very good doer. So um, bless him, he absolutely loves his feed. <laughs> and so obviously with him, it's very, very easy for him to kind of go to seed so he likes to become (laughs) round quite quickly and the guys have put in a huge amount of work to keep him as trim and fit obviously as he is so certainly with him what we will look to be doing is we will be uh, looking to take out 
as you say, that whizzy energy giving and calorie giving feed, because that will just exaggerate his weight if he's not doing as much work. And he will actually remain on something that we refer to as a feed balancer, Mm -hmm. which ensures that we still keep giving him the quality protein and the vitamins and minerals and antioxidants that he needs to stay happy and healthy, but just without those calories. And to be honest, it will probably be pretty similar really for, for the others. We just wean back pull back on the energy, the calories, but make sure that we keep that intake of the vitamins and minerals. So we need to then, yeah, start preparing them for their next big adventures. (laughs) Do we know what that is yet? No, not yet. (laughs) You need a holiday, Lizzie. You need a holiday. You need a break for yourself. You're allowed to be turned out. (laughs) (laughs) And fed on my feed balance. (laughs) It's been fascinating. Thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you. If we would like to, you know, if we we need help with our own horses, can we get in contact? Is there a, if we go to your website, is the helpline number on there? Yes, absolutely. So the the helpline number is on the, the website. And yes, we say absolutely. Please, anyone feel free to give us a call and have a chat about things. And, you know, for a lot of people, that might just be as well, just for simply peace of mind. Mm-hmm. So yes, I mean, that's what we're here for. We're here to take the worry out of the feeding so that you can all go out and enjoy your horses and get the best possible performance that you're looking for so yes please give us a call we're we're here to help and we'd love to speak to you what's your website address www.sarasonhorsefeeds.com perfect and we can also follow you on twitter and facebook you guys are on there as well we have a saracen horse feeds facebook page and i have a professional facebook page which is lizzie drury equine nutritionist Amazing. Thank you so much, Lizzie. It's been an absolute pleasure. Okay, that's been amazing. Thank you so much. See you. Bye. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. While you're on your lunch break, why not head over to our website, horsehour.co.uk, and take a look at the Education Hub because it's full of information and advice on horse health, grooming, different breeds, first aid. Are you really prepared for first aid if anything was to go wrong in the yard or on a hack? We even explain about insurance and there's lots of fun videos as well, like our top tips videos where Gemma Tattersall did her tips for the trot up. It's a bit of a tongue twister. Or maybe you're interested in riding and want to find out a little bit more. Head over to horsehour.co.uk. You can also listen to previous episodes of Horse Hour. Like, did you hear the episode about the vet dentists versus equine dental technicians? I spoke to Pete from B&W Equine Vets, who explained the difference between the two. Because there's a big myth, a lot of controversy. Either you use a vet who's a dentist or you use an equine dental technician. But do we really know the difference between the two? Pete does explain it and it makes perfect sense. I'd love to know your thoughts. You can uh, contact me on Twitter. I'm at amystevenson1. You can contact Horse Hour at Horse Hour. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't like. Tell me what you'd like to hear on an episode of Horse Hour. Have a great week and I'll speak to you soon. You've been listening to Horse Hour. Join the community on Twitter, Mondays, 8pm UK time, 3pm Eastern by using the hashtag Horse Hour. Follow Amy at amystevenson1 and subscribe to us on Acast, iTunes, Stitcher and Player FM. <laughs>